Welcome to our podcast series, Talking with Traders, hosted by expert trader Garth McKenzie in London, from where he's interviewing various guests on the topic of trading. Welcome to season three of the Talking with Traders podcast series with me, Garth McKenzie. Backed by popular demand following the first two seasons, I'll bring you a string of interviews over the next 10 weeks with a number of seasoned traders in my network to give you a first-hand insight into how they trade the world's financial markets so successfully. The first two seasons of this podcast have had over 20,000 downloads of the interviews, so I've used this traction to seek greater global reach for the third season. A special word of thanks must go to our sponsors, IG Markets, for continuing to fund this podcast and to allow it to flourish. In season three of Talking with Traders, I've gone beyond the borders of South Africa to speak to traders from across the globe. I'll ask pertinent questions of each of my guests to really try and get them to open up about what makes them consistently successful when it comes to taking on the world's financial markets. This is the final episode of Talking with Traders for 2020. Thanks to all our loyal followers who've listened to the podcast over the course of this year. Thanks also to all our guests who agreed to do interviews with me. I've had some fascinating conversations and consider it a real privilege to be able to get 40 minutes of concentrated question and answer time with top experts in the field of trading and investing. In this final episode of the year, I'll review a few key light highlights that stand out from the year 2020. I'll also dig out six of the top quotes that came out of all the interviews I did with the various traders and investors during this podcast series. This has been a year like no other. The year began as a fairly normal year with markets trending steadily higher and economies following a fairly predictable path. That was thrown into disarray in March when we all became familiar with the word coronavirus and then COVID-19. It had been bubbling in the news since January, concentrated mainly in China, but nobody realized how contagious it was and just what a massive impact it would have across the globe. Ultimately, it would be a pandemic like nothing seen for a hundred years since the Spanish flu of 1918. As this became more apparent, the global economy was gripped by travel bans and lockdowns. I noticed this in London as the usual crisscross patterns of jet trails in the sky simply vanished. They're still noticeably absent now. Markets crashed. The MSCI World Index crashed by 35% in the weeks from late February into early April. The VIX volatility index surged to 85 in March, a level of volatility only ever seen once before in the height of the financial crisis in 2008. The oil price collapsed as travel seized up. Oil futures for April delivery actually traded negative at one point, meaning that you would be paid to take delivery of oil. Such had never happened before, and it was just one of the many unusual things that happened in 2020. Oil supply continued as normal, but with the usual sucking action of the global economy simply being stopped, there was suddenly no oil being consumed. Oil storage facilities were full to the brim, and there was nowhere left to store any of the extra oil that was still being produced. Traders were caught long of oil futures contracts and were contractually bound to take physical delivery of oil that they simply could not store. So as those futures approached expiry, traders with long exposure to oil were literally paying people to take their futures contracts off their hands. Many were expecting a long and protracted bear market for equities as the pandemic tightened its grip on the global economy. 
An alphabet soup of letters were being used to describe the expected shape of the global economic path. Would it be an L shape? Would it be a U shape? Would it take the form of a Nike swoosh? Very few expected a V-shaped recovery. And then a new letter entered the economic alphabet, the K-shaped recovery, where the economy hits the COVID wall and then certain sectors of the economy collapse whilst others surge. And that's pretty much the path that the economy has followed so, so far. New economy companies benefited from lockdowns as technology stepped up to absorb what economic activity could still continue during the pandemic. In with Zoom and Teams, out with office rentals and airlines. In with food deliveries and Netflix, out with restaurants and cinemas. In with Peloton, out with physical gyms. Whilst the economy was in the midst of a K-shaped separation of economic activity, stock markets saw a V-shaped recovery like never before. The V-shaped stock market recovery has not been matched by an equivalent V-shaped recovery in the economy, however. Certainly, there has been a swift economic recovery off the lows, but stock markets have rallied to all-time highs, whereas economic activity is nowhere near the levels it was at prior to the pandemic. The MSCI World Index is up 66% off the lows of this year. Stock valuations have stretched far more than what economic fundamentals can justify. The reason? Liquidity. Masses and masses of liquidity. This year has given a perfect illustration of just how much liquidity drives stock markets. Global central banks opened up the spigots of stimulus to full flow in 2020. In some developed markets, helicopter began to fall to assist the ever-rising number of unemployed. Monthly checks were falling like confetti in the US at one point, $1,200 at a time, figuratively speaking, of course. Some of that money has made its way into the stock market where retail traders use their stimulus checks to speculate on beaten up stocks. Robinhood, a share trading app that has gained mass popularity among retail investors, has seen an explosion in account openings and traded volume in 2020. Suddenly, everyone with a smartphone and a few dollars is able to gain access to the stock market. Mass injection of liquidity by central banks has been the real driver of the V-shaped recovery in the stock market. And it's not only retail investors who've bid the market higher. And it's also not only the stock market that has benefited from this water cannon of liquidity either. Other asset classes have benefited too. Bitcoin has been a big story in 2020, particularly in the latter half of the year. The cryptocurrency has seen its value double in the last three months, and it's up nearly five-fold from the lows set in March. The price of Bitcoin recently traded to almost $20,000, the levels that it was last seen at at the height of the crypto bubble at the end of 2017. Interestingly, this time, Bitcoin is not as full of retail traders as it was at the height of the previous bubble. A big part of this has been driven by US dollar weakness. As the US Federal Reserve has expanded money supply, the US dollar index has collapsed by 12% since March. Many see the US dollar weakening further. Some have even suggested that the US dollar's reserve currency status may be at risk. Rising money supply has also created fear of inflation down the line. To that end, there's been a rush into assets that provide some sort of hedge against inflation. Gold, silver, and Bitcoin have all been big beneficiaries of that theme during 2020. Although gold and silver have come off the boil a little bit in recent months, 
Bitcoin remains robust and is continually charging at new all-time highs. You're listening to Talking With Traders, a podcast series brought to you by IG, a world-leading online trading and investment provider. If you haven't checked out the IG online trading platform, please do so and visit IG.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast series on your favorite podcast app or website by clicking on the subscribe button and you'll be notified weekly as we release new episodes. As we head into 2021, equity markets are running hot. The MSCI World Index is at an all-time high, but valuations are also very stretched, particularly when one considers that it's likely to be some years before the global economy recovers fully back to 2019 levels again. Interest rates are poised to remain at all-time lows for the foreseeable future, which remains an accommodative backdrop for equity markets and risk assets. But there's also an increasing fear that such low interest rates and such aggressive monetary expansion are inflating massive asset bubbles. There are increasing signs of bubble characteristics in the market currently. Hugely inflated valuations for companies in certain popular sectors like electric vehicles and semiconductors, a rising number of so-called bank blank check companies known as SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies. And then there's also the record number of IPOs in 2020. There have been more IPOs this year than there were in the dot-com bubble. Airbnb has just listed with a market value of over $100 billion. A short-term property rental portal in the middle of a pandemic. Sounds a bit bubbly to me. Although a COVID vaccine has now been approved and is starting to be rolled out in parts of the developed world, it's likely to be some time before the virus is fully behind us. Are the markets pricing in too much good news? Is there too much exuberance in the markets currently? Many would argue that there is and that a serious depricing of risk assets is likely at some point next year. We just don't know what the potential catalyst might be. But until then, the party goes on and the trend is upwards. But one should probably dance near the door as we enter 2021. Now, over the past eight months, I've conducted around 25 interviews with various different traders and investors in my network on this podcast series. We've had some fascinating discussions during that time, and I consider it a real privilege to be able to quiz these experts one-on-one. Each of the interviews has generated unique nuggets of insights or a quote that has stood out for me. I've identified six quotes from the guests that have stuck with me over the course of this podcast series, and I'll share those with you here and flesh them each out a little bit. The first quote was from Tom Hogard in Copenhagen. He said, it's the best loser that wins. What he's really saying here is that losing is an inevitable part of trading. It's going to happen, but if you're a good loser, if you're able to contain your losses and keep them small, then that is the secret to winning in the game of trading. It goes along with the old trading adage that you should cut your losers short and let your winners run. Then Mark van der Bale, he's an Aussie trader from Cape Town. He left me with this one. In this business, we get paid for taking risks. How true. If you don't assume some risk in the world of trading, then you can't expect to make any profits. You have to be willing to take risks and you have to be willing to accept those risks if you want the upside. But at the same time, you also have to manage those risks very carefully. In a similar vein to that, I enjoyed this quote from Greg Davies. He's the head of Kratos Asset Management in Johannesburg. 
he said quite candidly, hedging is for gardeners. It comes back to what Mark van der Bell said about getting paid to take risks. If you're a trader and you want to be successful, take a view and manage the risks. If you're hedging, you're avoiding taking risk. So hedging is for gardeners. James Gubb was a really colorful guest on the podcast and I knew he would be. He was the guy who famously created the first stock market artwork on a share price chart. Absolutely genius. He used the illiquid shares of Oak Bay Resources, the Gupta-owned company, and through a series of carefully crafted trades against himself, he was able to create a big middle finger pattern on the intraday share price chart of Oak Bay Resources, effectively giving the middle finger to the Guptas who have robbed so much from South Africa through their involvement in state capture. In that vein, it's interesting that James's memorable quote was, it takes guts to be a greedy pig. He wasn't referring to the Guptas. What he was really referring to here was that in order to really extract a lot of money from a trade, it takes guts to hold on and be greedy for the big wins. It's often far too easy and appealing to snatch at a small profit while it's there, but it really takes guts to hold on and ride the big winners. So it takes guts to be a greedy pig. I recently interviewed Stephen Goldstein in London. He was truly one of the most interesting interviews I've ever done. He's a trading coach and a former trader himself. He's coached three of the traders who feature in the latest book by Jack Schweger, Unknown Market Wizards. It's a really good read if you want to have a book to read over the holidays. I've just finished it. His memorable quote was, you won't succeed until you create your playbook. It talks to having a set of rules that you are guided by in your trading and sticking to those rules. I couldn't agree more. The final quote was from Dr. David Paul. He was the first guest that I interviewed in the inaugural Talking With Traders podcast. I've received training from David Paul over the years, and I knew that he would make a fascinating guest to interview, and he certainly didn't disappoint. He said that if there was such a thing as a holy grail in trading, then it's this. When a losing trader puts on a winning trade, he quickly becomes a pessimist. He wants to snatch at that profit, and he becomes fearful that the profit is going to be taken away from him. On the other hand, when a loser puts on a losing trade, he quickly becomes an optimist. He gives it another day, he moves the stop loss and tries to see whether the trade will come right. He remains hopeful that it might come right. On the other hand, when a winning trader puts on a winning trade, he becomes an optimist. He sees the upside, he sees that the trade is working and he becomes optimistic that it will continue to work. When a winning trader puts on a losing trade, he becomes a pessimist. He cuts the loss because he's fearful that the loss might get a bit worse. And that harks back to what James Gubb said about the fact that it takes guts to be a greedy pig. A winning trader turns into an optimist when he has a winning trade on and rides that winner for as long as possible. That's it for this final episode of Talking With Traders for 2020. Thanks very much for your listenership over the course of this year. It's been fun for me and it's been a privilege to interview all the guests that I've spoken to this year. All the best to you for the festive season and I look forward to be back with you again in 2021. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Talking With Traders, brought to you by IG, a world-leading CFD provider. We really are privileged to have such a leader in the field of online trading involved in this series. Please follow us on Facebook and engage with us there. 
and a reminder to make sure you subscribe to the series by clicking the subscribe button on your favorite app. Till next time.